You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, good afternoon, peace be upon you, and welcome to another episode of here on the Voice of Islam of the Drive Time Show today with myself, Reza and Danyan. Over the next two hours, we are speaking about the different strikes that are happening uh, across the country. We're going to take a look at the different sectors that are on the verge of a walkout in recent weeks. If you have noticed and if you've been following the news, we've seen that rail and tube strikes have taken place here in London, which caused major disruptions as the staff has walked out over a dispute in pay. Uh, We're going to take a look at the different sectors, as I mentioned Uh, And a number of other public sectors uh, have also expressed wanting to take industrial action, such as nurses and teachers. Just uh, in the news, you have uh, heard that British Airways workers had also intended to strike, but thankfully a deal has been reached with the airline and this was then cancelled. As always, the number for you to call is 0208. Six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and if you want to send us a tweet, you can do so at Voice of Islam UK on Instagram. On our Instagram story, we're asking you about your thoughts on the current strike. So go to Voice of Islam UK and leave us a comment. Now, this is something that uh, we have been seeing for quite some time now. It's not a new phenomena. It's not just here in the UK, but we know that around the world this does happen they have been used these strikes uh, um, uh, you know as a way of showing the dissatisfaction at wages or working conditions and with that the demand for change from the authority that is the purpose now as i said These strikes, they have been taking place here in the UK since the Industrial Revolution, and not just here in the UK, but also in different parts of the country uh, and different parts of the world. If you know, in Europe, we get these news here and there. France, for example, Italy, even in Germany. These things happen on a regular basis. And they're usually organized by these trade unions, Uh, which are organizations made up of employees from a particular field. In this case that we're talking about right now, we've seen the the, the rail union as well as from the TFL, the underground. Um, And the aim, as I said again, is to maintain and to improve the conditions of the jobs of uh, these workers. Now, just here in the UK, the next uh, planned... Industrial action is for the 27th of July, and despite um, um, you know these these worker unions, RMT being one of them, they have been offered certain pay rises. They have been offered with other uh, incentives as well. For example, you have discounted train travel for members of of uh, of, of these workers, and also cash bonuses. 
But despite that, it has been announced that another walkout will happen on the 27th of July. Now, we, as I said, want to know from you, if you are a commuter, if you regularly use a train, if you regularly use the underground or the buses or as as, as far as we know, even in uh, the air industry, that is going to cause major disruption. It has caused major disruption in the past as well, in the past a few weeks. But what is going to happen at that, all of that, and a, a, lo- a little bit more, we're going to be talking about with our guests that we have invited for today as well. But as always, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any opinion on this, if you are a regular commuter, if you regularly and frequently travel in or outside the city and are in use, uh, of uh, rail and tube and, and, and all these public transports, then I'm sure you have an opinion on this. So call us on 0208-687-7878. In the Holy Quran, in chapter 16, verse 91, we find that God Almighty states that verily Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred and forbids indecency and manifest evil and wrongful transgression now this is something which does not even does not apply to one specific group of people in the society alone it applies to leaders it applies to the masses it applies to you and i the average show on the street as well as those decision makers his holiness hazrat mirza masood ahmed the current caliph of the amdi muslim community and the fifth successor to the promised messiah the founder of the amdi muslim community on whom be peace he explained on one occasion and said that if something wrong is detected in the government, the matter should be raised in a truthful manner, but there should be no transgression, even if those governing are oppressive tyrants. Now, I know that everybody has a different opinion on this. You've seen and you've uh, on social media, if you have seen those little clips and videos about people being asked, about commuters being asked what they think about these strikes. It's a it's a mixed opinion. Some people, they do understand where uh, these unions are coming from. They do understand that the conditions, the working conditions, the, paying condi- the, the pay conditions, they should be improved. Um, uh, and, and, and specifically keeping in mind that the rising cost of living that we are facing at the moment, thank God, as you've just listened in the news as well, that the cost of food at least or certain items when it comes to food will probably hopefully um, go down as a deal has been reached between Ukraine, Russia, Turkey and some other countries as well which will hopefully increase or which will hopefully better the situation that we have at the moment. Now before we go to our guests let's take a brief look at what has been going on recently and also look at maybe some of the solutions that people have been talking about. Now, there are few strikes affecting transport in London between the 21st and the 26th. Uh, there were uh, in, in that one week in June uh, last month. Now, though the three-day strike was planned for railways, was planned for tube drivers and also organized um, a, a walkout on their behalf on the first day of, of this strike. Roughly 10,000 members of the RMT, they joined the strike and 50,000 people from the rail union. 
There was a disagreement over pensions and job losses, and which in then in in return cause a lot of disruption to other forms of transport as well, and they slowed down journey times across the city. I remember, uh, I think last month, uh, one day when we you know, had to go for a program for Voice of Islam, Voice of Islam on the road, we faced some similar disruption as well. And then, of course, if you are not regular, you are stranded. People are frustrated. People are angry about these things. But then again, how much of that uh, can be changed? Some of that ne- needs to be changed. And who is responsible for that? The TFL's chief operating officer remarked how the pandemic had already caused so much loss and, and, and that industrial actions wouldn't help us out uh, of you know the, the financial problems that people are facing at the moment. So I want to ask you, we want to ask you that do you understand where these people are coming from? Do you understand where the unions are coming from? Do you agree or generally speaking, what are your thoughts on the strikes and the current strikes that are that did happen in the past and that are planned for um, the next couple of days as well? As always, 0208-687-7878 is the number for you to call or you can send us a tweet at Voice of Islam UK and that specific question we're asking you on our Instagram page. What are your thoughts on the current strikes? Our first guest for today is Prof- uh, Professor uh, Sian Moore. Uh, Professor uh, Moore is the Director work uh, at the Work and Employment Research Unit at the Greenwich Business School. And we welcome uh, Professor Moore to the Draft Time Show. Good afternoon, peace upon you, and welcome to the Draft Time Show, Professor Moore. Good afternoon. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you very much for joining us today. Now, Professor, we, we're seeing a large number of strikes taking place this year. Why would you say that strikes keep taking place and are and, and, and we are not able to come out of this cycle? I know I mentioned that this is not a new thing. It is not just limited to the UK. We've been going through this since the Industrial Revolution. But um, is, is this maybe a sign of a healthy society? Well, first of all, we have to um, recognize that actually strikes have been at a very, very low level Mm. in the past decades. We saw a spike in the 1970s, but since then they've been very low and fairly uncommon. But the upsurge, I think, is because of the unprecedented squeeze on pay since 2008. So your listeners will know that we've seen pay freezes or very, very small increases in pay. And actually, they mean effective cuts, once you look at the cost of living, of up to 20% for a lot of us. We've seen increases in national insurance. And of course, now we've got this huge rise in inflation, um, which people are now meaning they can't feed their children, they're struggling with. At the same time, I think if you look um, for the rail uh, strikes and the leaders of the RMT, the rail union, they have pointed out there's been huge pay rises for the executives of the rail companies and many other companies as well, and increased profits to shareholders. So we have to acknowledge the increased inequality we've seen in the past decades. Now, coming to this point specifically, what what should trade unions do to have their needs met? Um, and can this be done without reaching the point of striking? Well, I think when unions take strike action, you have to think, first of all, they've probably been through a very long process of negotiation with hmm. their employers. So they'll have had a pay offer, 
they will then consult their members on whether they want to accept that pay offer and what they want to do if they don't want to accept it. And they'll have said, you know, they'll have put it in hard terms. If we don't accept this and you want to pay rise, you'll have to take some action. So it's a last resort, I think. And people don't necessarily, you know, they often feel very scared about taking strike action. But it's a last resort. Um, and also the other thing is that ballots, we've seen a lot of ballots. Um, and there'll be lots of ballots coming up, but they don't necessarily result in strike action. Um, it is a last resort. Um, how justified do you think are industrial actions when, when they can also cause disruption to public services? I know I've seen, for example, in London Bridge, many, many people stranded, many people don't know what to do because of the cancellation of the trains. They're checking their phones frantically because you know ultimately you have to, let's say, catch another train, catch another bus, catch even flights um are people understanding of 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 why this happens well of course it's disruptive um and i think that actually there's been quite a lot of public support for the um rail workers um but you also have to think that uh, commuters are also workers aren't they Hmm. and the only power when employers refuse to negotiate when they offer below inflation pay rises the only power that workers have is to withdraw their labor Hmm. um the rights of workers have been very much reduced in the past decades. Um, if you look at the share of national income going to workers in the form of pay, that's massively declined since the 1970s, and the proportion going to profit and to shareholders has increased. So whether we like it or not, the evidence is that when unions are stronger and more militant, there's a more equal society for everyone. Now, Professor Moore, I want to ask you about what, the UK, what the world actually has been going through in the past couple of years, the cost of living crisis following you know the pandemic that we all been through meant that struggle for low income families has been uh, you know at an, at an all time peak. What should be done by authorities? What can be done by authorities to truly support them? Keeping in mind that as you mentioned, you have huge payouts for the CEOs, you have p- huge payouts for uh, the the shareholders Um, but then those people on the ground who are actually working day in day out they don't really see um, the effort that they put in um, being recognized yeah and of course remember these are the workers that were on the front line weren't they during exactly yeah yeah well i think it is up to government at the end of the day that they should support um Uh, pay rises that match inflation for those people working in the public sector. Um, But also we have seen taxation on energy company profits, so Mm. that uh, energy companies are are not profiteering from uh, our misery. And of course in Spain um, the government's introduced free transport um, for everyone and I think in Germany they've introduced cheaper travel, so that helps people who may be reliant on cars um, and having to pay huge prices for petrol. It also, of course, helps the environment. So there are things that governments can do. And now, lastly, I want to ask you from my side going forward, how do you think should leaders and trade unions work together in, in each other's best interest and also keep the interests of the public in mind then? Um, I mean, we have to remember that, of course, a lot of companies, there are no trade unions at all. Mm. Um, They don't recognize trade unions. And that's part is a result of um, government legislation in the past years to try and undermine union power. But where we have unions, I think we have to accept that they are valid and they do challenge employers to improve conditions of employment, but also to challenge these huge levels of profit. 
um, and pay that a lot of these companies are making. Um, as we've mentioned, the salaries of chief executives. So it's really important to have those bodies that represent workers that do challenge um, these inequities um, and to recognise that they do stand for fairness and equality and a fairer distribution of wealth. So, uh, Professor, on that note, um, how how justified do you think are, um, are the rail companies, for example, in not giving the um you know the five percent or six percent raise given that we've just seen today that british airways has reached an agreement on the basis of an eight percent pay rise Mm. Mm. well i think it's very hard to justify when their their shareholders are are making money and they're in profit i mean you might Mm. say if there's if the company's not making profit it's very hard to justify increased pay but where those companies are making profits then I think it, it's 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 hard um, not to, to to support the case of the workers to have their share of that profit and and to have a pay increase, particularly as I said, where for years and years a lot of us have had a pay freeze. So would you then say that this is really the the ugly side of capitalism, almost that the trade unions then help um, contain? Yes, I do think so. I think that they are, you know, sometimes the trade unions are called the sword of justice, mm. um, who, you know, so they are able to curb those excesses of of, um, of capitalism. Um, but again, of course, there's also a role for the government. And what we've seen in the last decades is, is governments protecting the profits and, uh, and, and reducing corporation tax, so protecting shareholders. On the flip side, though, Professor Moore, um how justified are uh, the trade unions to to disrupt everybody's schedule cause and cause billions of of losses in the economy i'm talking in particular the rail strikes um it just because um you know there are a few thousand of their employees so disrupting millions for a few thousand people well i think that what we're seeing is a much wider national um upturn in in trade unions, you know, challenging uh, in, in inequity and saying, look, enough is enough. We've now got this huge loads of, of inflation and we now have mm. to do something about it. And so I think, you know, I see it as something which is probably going to be a much more of a national and coordinated effort by unions. And of course, you know, it's it's once you, one union starts to get an increase, there's a knock-on effect as well. So, yeah, we will see some um, disruption. I've been on strike um, over pay in the last year and I hate doing it to my students but mm. you know, we, you, we're losing people from the industry young people can't afford to work in what were seen as professional uh, jobs like you know, we've seen the barristers we've seen university lecturers young people can't afford to come into these jobs um, because the pay on entry has been depressed so much. Right, but you know, to, I, I don't want to uh, belabor the point, but Professor, you know, what I'm trying to, to ask mm. is that if I go to London to work, uh, mm. I haven't had a pay rise for, for two years, and mm. here I am, I'm not able to go to work because, mm. um, you know, the real people are on strike because they want a pay rise. So I'm thinking, I haven't had a rise. Why are they asking for one and why are they disrupting my schedule? And also for those who don't have unions to represent their interests. Exactly. Um, well, I think you, you're certainly not going to get a pay rise if the um, rail workers are defeated. 
I think we can say that. Um, <laughs> you know, employers do. Uh, employers, you know, that they they, they uh, live off confidence, and uh, mm. you know, when when workers are defeated, they have the confidence to take uh, you know more liberties with workers. Mm. So I think yes, it's disruptive for some of us, but I think we have to see it as. Um, and I think a lot of the public have. It's you know we can't take this anymore. We have to have increase in our wages across the board. And of course, if unionised workers get pay increases, then there will be a knock-on effect for those who aren't in union. Would you agree then, finally, that all of this actually happens? It it comes to industrial action uh, because there is actually a a lack of confidence. Uh, and a lack of trust uh, uh, between the between uh, the workers and the management. Yeah, I think there there often is that lack of trust. As I say, you know, if you see your your chief executive mm. taking home, you know, twenty times what the average worker pays, um, mm. and also getting a golden handshake when they fail, mm. uh, you do not trust them. And I think also, you know, <clears throat> we, we've seen uh, workers are not just some often um, protesting about pay also it's about you know increased workloads conditions in the workplace it's a sort of you know a continuation or you know a, a, of um, a number of sort of grievances over the years right professor uh, more thank you very much uh, this is very enlightening um, enjoyed the discussion uh, thank you for asking all the uh, for answering all the tough questions appreciate that thank you very much thank, thank you. you thank you for joining Professor Moore is the director at the Work and Employment Research Unit at Greenwich Business School. You Zero. see, I think it, uh, you know, the whole discussion then comes back to this, this feeling of inequity, hmm. this lack of trust. And so, you know, if you are my manager and I am your subordinate, you know, if, if you don't, if there is no confidence in, in each other, if, if I know that you're not working for my best interest and, and, um, and and you know that I'm um, or you think that I'm not doing enough in my mm. in my job. You know, there's uh, there's going to be that um, uh, uh, that trust and confidence deficit. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it's this is all about uh, inequities, which which the ugly side of uh, of capitalism. And it's not just limited to I think the working conditions and just the, the pay issue or the the work. Um, conditions that you have if you think about it when when these workers when they go home what kind of psychological impact does that have I mean something that Professor Moore mentioned and we know this is it's not a secret when you have these millions and millions being paid to the CEOs I get that their Mm -hmm. workload and their responsibility and everything else Mm -hmm. but if you seeing this um, what kind of psychological effect does that have on 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 people's minds Correct. that you you can see the injustice you can see the injustice you can see the inequity it's very blatant yeah, i mean we've had this this case with, with you know the rising fuel prices mm. where you had companies making what was it 20 or 70 billion in profit something mm. like that I mean, mm. you know roughly mm. um and and then you have to go to the pump and pay almost 2 pounds for for the liter correct so there's clearly profit being made, but ha- is that being filtered down to to the general public? Absolutely, clearly not. Clearly not. And uh, you know, I remember this debate really uh, came to the surface back in 
2008 as well, yeah. after the financial crisis. And that, and at that time, it was focused around banks and bank executives and yeah. bank senior management because they were earning their millions. And mm. uh, and yet the discussion was that, you know, the banks are failed or failing at that time. And, uh, and they were given bailouts. And they were given bailouts, and uh, yeah, the uh, the taxpayer had to uh, <laughs> to fund that, and yet they were still getting their millions uh, in bonuses and salaries. So yeah, so this is this is uh, you know a, a an age old discussion. I think uh, this is a discussion that um, yeah, it goes back to what I've said. I mean, this is this is the ugly side of capitalism, mm. really, uh, which which keeps on raising its head. Now, there's also a potential strike by BA workers at Heathrow, but as you've just heard in the news, it was called off, thankfully, and earlier check-in staff had voted in favour of a strike over their pay as well. The union said that this was due to a 10% cut in wages during the pandemic, which was not being reinstated. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, uh, like, aren't we back to, aren't we supposed to be back to normal almost? Um, technically, theoretically, <laughs> definitely, yes. <laughs> theoretically, definitely, and 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 the volumes are supposed to be back to normal. I think, yeah. If you look at uh, the traffic at airports, if you look at the people yeah. you know traveling, if you look at uh, the the backlog at the passport office, uh, you know, you will <laughs> <laughs> you will certainly know that. Um, yeah, passport the passport office. Don't get me started on that. Exactly. Me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> So it's uh, unfortunately, yes, I think um, we have a bit of a situation there. Now, there is a planned 72-hour strike by the aviation fuel services overpay, which is likely to cause flight delays, and the rising cost of living has tempted other sectors to join in in these strikes. When it comes to Islam, it outrights or outlines the rights of workers as well as their responsibility. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, there's a very famous narration as well, pay wages to the worker before his sweat is dry. And at the same time, the Holy Quran tells us to obey those in authority over us. And it says in chapter 4, verse 60, mentioned many times here in the Drive Time Show, O you who believe, obey Allah and obey his messenger and those who are in authority among you. And if you differ in anything among yourselves, refer to Allah and his messenger if you are a believer in, in, in Allah in the last day. That is best and most commendable in the end. So what we go, what what we do see is, um, as Professor Moore has mentioned, it's not going to be limited to one sector alone. Hmm. We have nurses, we have other staff, we have. You know, she was talking about um, education, the hmm. educational hmm. sector as well, professors hmm. and teachers, hmm. walking out over all of this. So clearly, something is not right. Yeah, some, there's a, uh, there is. You're absolutely right. There's something's not right. There's got to be. There is an imbalance. That needs to be corrected. Let's talk uh, more about this uh, with Stephanie Brobby, who is the founder and chief executive officer of Good Ancestor Movement. Assalamualaikum, peace be with you. Welcome to the Lifetime Show. Hi there, nice to be here with you. Very nice to be talking to you, um, uh, Ms. Brobby. So um, you worked as a wealth tax lawyer, and you're also the founder of the Good Ancestor Movement, uh, which aims to work to redistribute wealth. Do you think this is about money hoarding, uh, which which we're seeing in terms of the uh, the rise in pay demands? I think it's a really interesting question and interesting choice of word that you've used in terms of hoarding, because there is, in fact, a link between hoarding and the pay rise demands that we're seeing. Um, and I think in order to understand it, we have to kind of zoom out to answer that question properly. If we look at our economic system, 
the, the economic system that we've inherited and we've been socialised into, our economic system generally relies on the extraction of resources and the exploitation of labour mm. for the purpose of accumulating wealth and power, mm. um, which tends to be concentrated among a, a small group of people in the world. And so what we're seeing and what we've seen, particularly over the last sort of 15 years or so, is asset prices have gone up in a low interest rate environment and uh, pay has been suppressed. And and that's normally come at the cost of, um, as, uh, as a result of this idea of shareholder primacy, so um, shareholders of companies being paid out uh, distributions or dividends, and also executive pay being uh, quite significantly higher than those of um, other workers. And so over a period of time, this has created extreme inequality um, and wage suppression, which is, is why there is this link, you see, between the hoarding of money, the hoarding of resources and, and wealth, and, and, and this need to demand higher uh, pay increases at this time. So, um We've talked about this statistic before, but perhaps the first time with with you here. Um, five hundred, nearly five hundred people, have become new billionaires during the pandemic. Four ninety three, uh, to be precise, according to the Forbes World's Billionaires List. How your thoughts on that? How would you <laughs> how would you describe how would you characterize that? What did they? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's incredibly disturbing. I think our culture has this tendency to kind of worship billionaires and and be very captivated and enticed by uh, wealth of of that level. But, you know, I I take the view that that is a, you know, that should be a red flag um, to to the global community that um, a handful of individuals have been able to accumulate such extreme amounts of wealth, which have been extracted from somewhere and you know this isn't about saying that wealth is extracted uh, from the poor bad it's typically been extracted from workers or yeah, extracted exactly. from you and the I. planet um, unfairly and and that value has not been distributed fairly and in the uk alone we had uh, i think it was 177 billionaires and um, this year on the wow. sunday times rich list and um, and that was an increase uh, of six um this year and so we, we've seen the highest ever Kind of levels of billionaire wealth at a time where we're seeing extreme inequality and um, lots of strikes and we have to tell the whole story you know mm. this is not a balanced economy that is working for everyone it's working for a small group of people so stephanie you are certainly one of those who are raising the that red flag as you said mm. do you think there are enough people out there who are raising this red flag i, I definitely think this is beginning to um seep into public consciousness i think that you know the the media typically and i guess all, all our systems of economy and governance and our political systems have all done quite a good job at kind of keeping uh, wealth inequality un- under the radar and actually there's there's an emerging group of people particularly um folks that i'm working with um who are wealthy people themselves who are demand demanding change and they want they are demanding higher taxes on themselves um, they think that the state of uh, inequality worldwide and in the UK is you know, out of control. It's a systemic risk. It's a, it's a threat to our um, civil society. And, and, you know, there was a report recently that showed that Britain was the second 
most unsustainable economy out of 36 economies um, due to kind of rising asset prices, the price of housing, the price of childcare. Um, this is in the fifth most advanced economy in the entire world mm. that we're seeing such extreme um, inequality. And people are beginning to speak up about this. And unfortunately, I think mainstream economists are not communicating uh, why we have such a big problem with, with wealth inequality. But I do think that circumstances are such that um, with all the strikes that are happening um, and that the context we're in with uh, inflation at, all, at, at an all-time high or a 40-year high, prices are rising uh, rapidly, food prices and fuel prices, it's going to, it, you know, it's only a, a kind of a, a limited time before uh, the conversation around wealth inequality becomes mainstream. Mm. And when it does become mainstream, Stephanie, <coughs> so we're seeing prices, as you said, are rising, so are the strikes, and so are the number of billionaires. Mm. Do, do you think we, we're headed towards a revolution? Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I wonder if we are. It's a strange time. I was actually at... Um, St Pancras Station this time last week um, and I saw that there were cleaners from the rail companies that were striking and I Mm. went and spoke to a few of them and I I understood they they told me that they were striking because they wanted to be paid £15 an hour. Now they're having to withdraw their labour in order to to, to demand £15 an hour. Isn't that sad? Well well, quite and and all the while um, I think one rail operator uh, made five hundred million pounds worth of profit. Yeah, I mean that's that's heartbreakingly sad, yeah. isn't it? That you know a cleaner needs to, and for fifteen quid an hour. I mean that yeah, it's uh, prices are rising. I mean the, so that's the inequality exactly. So you know, um, is that going to lead us back, go back into the you know nineteenth uh, century perhaps? Workers Whoa. rise before, uh, you know, before all. Because it's not limited. It's not limited to, to just the working conditions, as we said. This is going to have an impact on people's thinking, people's psychology, people's mental health, on all of that. It's going to swap over to their private lives, isn't it? Exactly. Well, I think I think you raise a really important point. You know, there's lots of people working on um, a variety of issues. So, you know, social justice issues, but we have to look at our economy because I think that. You know, if we start to interrogate our economy in an honest way, in a balanced way, then we'll actually start to realise that most of our problems come from the way that we have agreed to organise ourselves as an economy. It's the, it's the day-to-day choices that we make to agree with the status quo and, and, and agree that it's OK to pay people less than £15 an hour. The people that are keeping our trains clean. And it's okay that public sector workers and, you know, the, the, the people that saw us through the pandemic, like the nurses, the healthcare assistants, the doctors who kept our hospitals running for us, don't deserve fair pay. Um, and so it's funny that you should say you should refer to the 19th century because um, Professor Thomas Piketty, who is a French economist, has said that we're going backwards towards 19th century levels of inequality, which mm. is actually quite scary. Mm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you a very fundamental question. And I, you know, I apologize for for the question even before I I ask (laughs) it. Um, Do you do you think then that 
capitalism has the answers to the problems of the modern world? Well, I tend to try and steer away from the isms. Mm. But what I will say is that we need to fundamentally redesign and rethink our economy so right. that it's more distributive by design. And by that, I mean that the prosperity and the value that is created needs to be shared more equitably across communities uh, so that there's a true reflection of who is actually generating value for society across our supply chains, across the, the way that we work, um, who, who is actually benefiting genuinely from um, the systems of wealth creation that we have. So we, we do need to see a fundamental redesign of our economy. And my view is that uh, progressive tax reform is a critical element in rebalancing our economy. Hmm. We're living at this time of extreme inequality in, in the UK. The government, this government has made a political choice to avoid taxing wealth more effectively. Um, you know, if, if we, we need so much um, revenue in order not only to just redress the economic balance imbalance that we have, but to invest in public services more and to ensure that we can build climate resilient infrastructure. And the government could raise 10 billion tomorrow if it implemented a wealth tax on uh, on net worth at uh, net wealth above 10 million pounds, a one percent one-off wealth tax as an immediate measure. It could also uh, align capital gains tax rates with income tax rates. Um, so that income from wealth and income from work are treated the same. But fundamentally, you know, those, those measures would, would be a good temporary measure. But fundamentally, we need to look at a much broader set of, of mm. reforms to our tax system so that wealth is taxed more effectively and so that wealthier people, that the super rich, are paying their fair share and contributing to society. And that's what a lot of the people that I'm working with are campaigning for. And we endorse wholeheartedly. Mm. If I can, um, or, or before I, I, I present uh, one of the solutions that I think um, uh, me and my uh, co-host will be talking about later, but but perhaps we can have a brief discussion of the call. But before I, I go there, um, you talk about radical um, reform of the tax system. Last time, Stephanie, that happened was after the Second World War, um, in Europe especially, and that was as a result of a direct threat at that time posed by the rise of communism. Um, do you think there is enough energy and momentum in the system at the moment and resolve to be able to do something like that? I, th I think there is a, I think there is resolve. There is certainly resolve and energy in various parts of the system. There are incredible mm. people mobilizing in communities. There are amazing grassroots leaders and um, civil society leaders who are working on, um, on, on, on this issue, on the broader issue of our economy. One of the things that really gives me hope is, is the kind of collective action and social movements, the grassroots movements that we're seeing. There's a tremendous amount of energy there and people starting to really speak up about this. Hmm. Uh, but it will take a lot of um, political will and um, you know, hard work to, to create the change that we we need um, to see. And ultimately, government has to be responsible for implementing that. But I think we can really uh, begin to shape policy and present uh, plausible policies that can be implemented very quickly. Um, and I think in terms of, you know, whether there's the resolve, whether there's the will to do so, I think it may be, as we saw from this week, that we don't really have much choice. You know, we are mm. talked about the, the, the Second World War and, and the circumstances that, mm. that prompted 
broader set of reforms well we're facing an existential threat of climate change all mm. of us mm. it affects all of us and we saw that this week from the extreme temperatures uh, that we had and uh, and mm. and you know much of our infrastructure was crumbling under the weight of that mm. heat and that's just a preview really and so we you know there's, there's very little time and we, we need to adapt and that's going to cost and we need to mm fundamentally redesign our tax system and our economic systems in service of a just transition to an economy that is going to be able to uh, operate within planetary boundaries, mm. but also withstand climate change. One solution that I can suggest, uh, Stephanie, is, uh, and this is something for you to maybe study, uh, this is your bedtime reading for <laughs> for tonight. Um, uh, so study the, uh, the zakat system, uh, so that's Z-A-K-A-T in Islam. I did a back of the envelope calculation uh, last week. Uh, we were talking about something else, but uh, you know, a similar sort of a discussion came up. So, you know, I just googled the list of the top billionaires in the world, and you know, the likes of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, uh, you know, um, um, uh, Larry Page and the likes, and their total wealth, according to Google, again, very back of the envelope, um, uh, is about twelve hundred billion. Um, what zakat? the Islamic economic system, what Zakat does is that any unused wealth that you have, you're required to give 2.5% off that every year. The idea being that you've got to make the wealth useful, you've got to bring it back into the economy. But if you if you keep it in stocks, if you keep it in your under your mattress, if you keep it in your safe, then you've got to pay 2.5% off it um, as a tax. To avoid hoarding. To avoid hoarding. So that's the Islamic solution of it. So I, you know, again, a very back of the envelope cal calculation was about 26, 27 billion, so 2.5% of 1,200 billion, uh, 26, 27 billion would come back into the economy if you were just to implement that system in the world today. And, you know, you multiply by that, uh, that by 10. So in 10 years, you could have, you know, close to 300 billion going back into the world. Just, just imagine the impact $300 billion can make in Africa, can make in the poor countries around the world. Uh, it can make in terms of paying for these cleaners that you talked about, uh, these rail workers, giving that money back into the society because that's being unused. So that's something maybe for your bedtime reading. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny you should mention that because I was the, the second person in the space of about 10 days to, to mention that to me. I was talking to a young professional in Manchester last week right. who was telling me about this system. And I think it is a brilliant example of, of, a, of a kind of a system that means that we have equitable uh, redistribution by design built into a system. Mm. And of course, this is informed um, by spirituality. And I think there's much that we can learn mm. from, um, from in, in terms of that practice. So thank you for sharing that with me. Stephanie, thank you very much for joining us. It was uh, it was a uh, privilege, honor to talk to you. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. You have no doubt. I mean, just, just, just think that about it. That was a calculation. Right? <laughs> no, back, very back on the envelope. So 300 billion. Just imagine the impact. 300 wow. billion. Yeah. Uh, just coming from, you know, that's not government aid. That's all, that, and that's, that's on top just of that. the, the top of the top. That that's, on the top, top. that's just top eight guys, by the yeah, way. Not yeah. just top of the top. That's, that's really just eight people. 
Wow. And then you have 493, you said, mentioned it. Yeah? Total of uh, That's been added in the last two years. Oh, wow. Another 403 to, to what we already had. So yeah, just imagine the, the amount of wealth that's stashed into, yeah. into different assets, whether that's real estate, whether that's uh, uh, stocks or, 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 you know, what have you, which is um, not being used. Just sitting there. Just sitting there and not being utilized uh, in the, uh, what is called the vibrant sectors of the economy. And I, I think that that's the idea behind it, that you have, um, uh, you know, that redistribution of wealth is not sitting there. And, and, and again, this is just a, the monetary aspect or the economic aspect. But I think uh, um, um, Stephanie also mentioned the spiritual, the spiritual side of things. I think that that's what it is. This whole greed and this whole hoarding, it comes with 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 the downside of you know greed and 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 mm. just thinking about yourself selfishness uh, being self-centered and not thinking about the wider society how did you get that money in the first place <laughs> that, that that that's what you have to yeah. think about if yeah. if if it wasn't for those cleaners if it wasn't for mm. the average on the street who are working for these companies who right. are working for these multi-billion dollar corporations then you wouldn't have that exactly so and and now that you do, then you know you, um, under an Islamic zakat system, you've got to give it, give your share back, their yeah. share rather, back yeah. to the economy. You've got to, you've got to reuse it. That's the whole idea that you can't stash it. You've got to redeploy it mm. within the economy. You, you've got to open a new factory. You've got to employ more people. You've got to just use it so that it um, uh, well circulates. Absolutely. Now, if you have any questions on this, you can give us a call. If you have anything to say on this topic specifically, how do you feel or what are your thoughts on the current strikes? Do give us a call, 0208-687-7878. And you can also send us a tweet at Voice of Islam UK and also on Instagram. Unison to the health secretary, uh, warning him of potential industrial action by the NHS has also been mentioned in the news just very recently. And the NHS is under immense strain, always, well, it has been for quite some time now. And if you look at the long working hours, the patient waiting times, the postponement of appointments, the ambulance waiting hours, the backlog in general in, 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 in surgeries and whatnot, all of this has led to the staff burnout, which is very, very high, and especially since the pandemic began and the effect of long COVID on health professionals. One thing that I think Professor uh, mentioned in the beginning was that these were the people who were at the front line. And these are the people who are not being given their fair share. So the government did give a 3% pay rise to the NHS workers last year, but with rising costs and members of the unions demanding more, I think this will keep going and there is still a bit of a history to come after this, I'm guessing. I mean, it's, it, it, this is just uh, beyond comprehension that, you know, if, you, if, you, if the company is making billions of dollars or pounds of profit, why would you not pay your cleaners 15 quid a, an hour? I mean, that's atrocious, isn't it? It is. Keeping the the work in mind as well. Exactly. I mean, the, the, if you have seen trains at the end of the line, yeah. the, the things that you have to do and the things that you have to clean up there, mm. it's it's, um, it's tragic. It's tragic, yeah. and then you have you know fifteen pounds. Well, what's fifteen pounds for exactly. some people? Nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly it? that. Absolutely. 
Then we also have another um, group of people in society who have announced strike plans, and that's the barristers. I have to say, the day I I I, I read that, <laughs> oh my goodness! You know where I'm going with this. The, yeah. it's, it's, it, I'm like, okay, this is. I have not come across barristers wanting to strike, or maybe I didn't follow the news in the past. I don't know, but for me, it was a first. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like things like that happen in the subcontinent. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a regular on that. But yeah. here, yeah. when members of the Criminal Bar Association have rejected the government's 15% pay offer, yeah. and then announcing to strike plan uh, announced uh, strike plans. This this was a you know new to me at least. Uh, they plan they have planned to strike every other week in August, and according to them, some junior barristers are being paid less than the hourly hourly minimum wage, and upon based upon this, they are demanding a twenty five percent rise in pay. I mean, yeah, this is this is a bit of a surprise. Twenty five percent is a lot. And also the fact that junior barristers are being paid less than the hourly minimum wage. Why what? That, why would you? Why would the government do? That? I mean, isn't that illegal? I would say <laughs> <laughs> they should know about this. <laughs> do something about this. Okay, so we have the NHS, we have the law, and 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 the Barrister Association. We spoke about, of course, public transport, and one more I want to give you here, and that's the postal services. Now, currently, the CWU is contemplating uh, contemplating a strike within the Royal Mail as well, and the Royal Mail has faced a huge loss in their business and workers are demanding that they are paid more rather than business leaders earning more despite working less. And such a strike risks the performance of other businesses which rely heavily on the trade. So you see how everything all this is connected. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I have a massive uh, soft corner for the postal service guys. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, these are the guys who walk for miles every day. It doesn't matter what weather. And exactly that. I mean, it's raining, it's a stormy weather or whatever. They're at your door, they're delivering your your mail, they're making sure that you get your letters and, and, and whatnot on time. So yeah, I feel for them. I, I think everybody feels for for all of them. I'm guessing, and, and and this this is what it is. If 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 one of if let's say we have four sectors or five that we've spoken about, what keeps others from not doing the same? Then, aren't we all in the same boat basically with the rising cost? So you have let's say a fifteen percent rise, but the 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 cost of just a pint of milk has gone up. What mm. I don't even know. Mm. But 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 that's the the point that um, uh, I think Stephanie was raising earlier that uh, not all the employees are organized. Not all of them. Yeah. Not all those who don't have, have a voice. Yeah. Exactly, they don't have trade unions. So. Um, uh, so those people, they don't have a voice. They, they're not organized enough. So so the organizations or the employees which are organized, such as NHS or, or, or Royal Mail or others, they are making their voice heard. But the others are just uh, uh, being crippled. And here is what His Holiness has been saying for, I think, since 2003 when he became and when he was elected to the office of, 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 of Caliphate. 
the spiritual successor to the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the lack of justice in the world. Now, I know he's been speaking about, um, you know, different occasions, at, at, on different occasions to world leaders, to political leaders, when it comes to relationships between nations, when it comes to international relations. But he has also mentioned this many, many times between um, that it applies to every sector of society and every person in society. Specifically, this, keeping this in mind, I think we're living in a time where it has never been more obvious that there is a lack of justice, that there is the, the top creaming everything out of the, in the economy and out of the society, while the bottom of, of, of the society is suffering and thinking about, should I heat or should I eat? Should I fuel up my car or should I you know, have something on, on, on my dinner table? And these are questions that nobody should have to ask, specifically if you keep in mind that we are living in the sixth largest industry in, uh, industrial nation in the world. A couple of years ago, nobody would have thought about that, but His Holiness has been talking about this. He has been warning the world about this for a very long time. I was not surprised um, when you asked the question about revolution, when you asked the question about capitalism yeah the ugly side of capitalism is it time to change that 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 business model if you can say or that that model of capital uh, of of economy i think that the time is now ripe to to sort of look at something there's got to be a balance. alternatives yes a, alternatives and and something which strikes a balance between communism which was one extreme yeah. as a result yeah. of capitalism and an ugly side of capitalism and and we're now seeing the the again the ugly side of capitalism raising its head as well and, uh, you know, we can talk about it more after the news break. Um, I think Islam, Islamic economic system presents that balance, mm. that middle way between these two, two systems where free enterprise is allowed. But then there are um, uh, uh, there are obligations on the rich and the wealthy. You're listening to The Draft Time Show today with myself, Reza and Daniel. We are going to be back after the news at 5. But as I said before as well, if you want to give us a call, you can do so. As always, the number is 0208687-7878. Don't forget, you can also send us a tweet. And we're asking you a question on our Instagram poll today on our Instagram story. What are your thoughts on the current strikes? Not just the rail strike, but also the different sectors that we have mentioned in the course of the program. And as I said, we're going to be back after the news at five, talking about the working conditions and talking about the government response, as well as some of the solutions that Islam may present. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam today with myself, Raza, and Daniel. We are speaking about different sectors planning a walkout, planning strikes. Um, and on the verge of walkout, we've spoken about the recent strikes in uh, the public transport sector. We've spoken about the upcoming strikes in the pl- uh, public transport sector and also the different other um, sectors that are planning a, a walkout or are actually planning on striking 
um, such as the NHS. We also had the Barristers Association. We also had the Postal Services. And uh, before we continue, just a quick reminder, if you want to have your say, if you've been you know, affected by the disruption in the postal, in the, in the, in the, in the public transport sector, if you, I don't know, traveling by train or uh, any other public transport service and uh, found yourself in the midst of it, then we'd love to hear from you how you felt and what you thought about that. You can send us a comment on Instagram. Or you can send us a tweet at Voice of Sam UK and you can also give us a call 0208-687-7878. The working conditions. Many unions argue that workers are not being paid according to how much they work. I think that's something we might all agree upon. Mm. For example, you have the NHS staff, especially junior doctors Correct. who are overburdened and working long shifts. I've remember just I think a couple of days ago I was at a wedding and I spoke to one of the members of the community a young um, uh, young lad who is currently working as a junior doctor right very regular at the mosque before hmm. but based on his shift based on the the right the gruesome working hours hmm. I'll, I'll have to say you know, hmm. he, he told me a few things about that right um, he said I I can I, I can try whatever I want. Mm. There's just no way, mm. Mm. and yet you're not being adequately compensated no, for that. Definitely for the, not for the, for the service that you're actually yeah. doing in in that case. And then you have the teachers. I mean, you've just mm. listened to in the news as well. The uh, the the results of the GCAs might be delayed mm. because you have a 72 hour walkout. Yeah. Potential walkout. You know, I I have a lot of sympathy for teachers in this uh, oh. in, in this country. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I have three daughters. Uh, one of them is is in uni now, but the other two are still in in, in school, primary and secondary. And you know, the amount of hours mm. that teachers actually put in 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 this country. Uh, you know, they're they're there for parent teacher meetings at eight p.m. They are mm. they're there at seven thirty a.m. for for students. Um, uh, they're there for extra sessions. You know, it's just, it's just tremendous. I have a huge yeah. amount of respect for them, uh, especially because I think I, I, well, I, you know, if I even if I were to forget about comparing this with subcontinent where I come from, and, and it pro- probably that's my, uh, uh, my experience and hmm. and my background, and that's why probably I I find this even more, um, this argument even more compelling. But you know, even if you look around other countries in Europe, uh, other countries, Scandinavia, even even America, you know, teachers over here put in very long hours, yeah. a lot of stress for not an adequate amount of return. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I I, I live right next to a school in the mosque, um, and I see those teachers. They come before hmm. anyone else, so we, we're looking at seven ish. Hmm. And by the time I get home after the show, sometimes sometimes you still have the yeah. chorus standing there, and, exactly and, and they're there. still they're still there. The lights right. are still on, and and well, summer days, you know, you would like to spend some time with your family, but mm-hmm. then again, mm-hmm. most of the day is 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 gone by yeah. that time. And then in the winter time, they, they come when it's dark and they leave when it's dark. Absolutely, you don't see any of the day. And apart from the, from the working hours. Three daughters, two sons. Yeah. 
it's not easy. Right. right. <laughs> it's exactly. not easy yeah. at all. I mean, exactly. I noticed this in the pandemic when we had to sit down with our kids. Yeah. And, and, and be their teachers. And be their teachers. <laughs> or just assist the teacher while they were we teaching online. We know what online. they have on their hands, yes. My goodness. My respect level just, just blew out of proportion. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's uh, it's excruciatingly painful for you know. I totally feel for them. The 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 input and and they are, they are the backbone of the economy. You see, they are creating yeah, yeah. really the future generation of of our nation, and they need to be compensated, man. They, exactly. they absolutely need to be compensated for, you know. We're just asking for for justice there. Not, yeah. uh, it's it's just got to be right. That's it, and they not just that. It's they ha- also had to take up extra work to fill in for others, as well as supporting the learning of pupils who lost lesson time because of the pandemic. As again, again, not just you know that backlog in the NHS, but also when it comes to education. But on the other hand, some working in hospitality and the hospitality section, they have suggested that they would be under strain if so many of these sectors walked out. So, however, unions of nurses, um, unions of junior doctors, physiotherapists and teachers, they have been considering striking to get their demands heard. Look, I, I mentioned in, in the beginning of the show today that I've seen when, when, when these strikes were announced, you had public opinions. You have people you know, being asked this question, do you understand or do you not understand? Mm. But the majority of the people did understand that we are at the same at the end of the day we're all sitting in the same boat everyone is affected by the prices at the moment everybody's affected by the cost of living everybody's affected by you know the rise in in, in public transport as well mm. i mean what used to be 150 or something like that but of course it's not going to stay the same mm. even if it's by a few pence or by a few pennies it has a knock on effect it has a long term effect you have to teach uh, you have to feed families but is that worth, is that something that we can afford on so many levels, not just one sector? If that was the case, we've had this in the past. I, mean, I remember in Germany, you had this metal industry. There was a big, huge union. Every now and then they used to have strikes. But that was one specific sector at which we agreed they deserve it. But now you have something which is going to affect every single one of us. If you don't have the postal service running, properly the way it should be that is going to affect you if you're running a business and you don't get your deliveries on time that is going to affect you if you're running uh if you're going into the city to work and you don't have the trains on time that is going to affect you now in the summer break yeah look at the chaos at the airports exactly yeah yeah, which is uh, and and the passport office, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which you briefly talked about. I, 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 exactly. No, I okay. So so everywhere you're absolutely right, and 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 not to not to mention, if you had uh, an emergency, a medical emergency, and you didn't, and NHS was undercapacitized. Yeah, what would happen? What what would happen? Now, whilst it is the responsibility of employers to look after the well-being of their workers, one way to tackle this issue is to first learn to live with less sometimes. Yeah, the be content. I guess that's that's I guess the yeah. overall message, Islamic message again that yeah. I think we can we can of contentment that we can give to um to everybody, all workers, uh, all individuals actually yeah. in the society. This is not just limited to those striking. This is a, a fundamental teaching of Islam, and um, and His Holiness um, Hazrat Mr. Masood Ahmed uh, 
mentioned this during the 2008 recession mm. and where he said, learn to stay within your means at a personal and a national level. Be content with what you can easily afford and do not be dazzled with bigger houses and bigger cars, forcing yourselves into a system of debt. And after this, demands may be made in a peaceful and respectful manner, and unions and local authorities work together so that the needs of workers are made known to their bosses and they can find the way, the best way to assist them. And I think, look, uh, as far as Islam is concerned, you have to keep the peace of the society in mind. Hmm. If it is going to cause disruptions, if it, is, if it is going to make life difficult for people in society, then that's something that you might reconsider your the way that things yeah. are handled professor moore met in the beginning of the hour uh, mentioned as well that they they do not take it lightly the, the, you don't start off with a strike that's the last resort but having said this does it help the society does, does it keep the society afloat does it keep the peace in the society does it uh, guarantee the the you know the smooth running um of 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 the society that you're living in that's something that you might need to consider in the long run. I think it's so. It's also important to uh, to probably mention here, Imam Reza, that this is all in the overall context of the overall um, the overarching Islamic system. Yes. Whereas there is the system of zakat that we we discussed earlier in the last hour, where you know two point five percent of the wealth of all the rich people is being brought back into the system mm. every year. So that you know that 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 feeling of equity and fairness, um, that that trust in in the system, that confidence in the system that we talked about. So you know that uh, if you have that, and then you know you can uh, y- you you will also be able to to be more rational mm. as an employee. In, in terms of your demands, because you 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 will be coming from a different place. You you yeah. will know that you know the the other person or the other uh, the employer or the or the rich owner is doing his his bit. Probably not enough, uh, and more needs to be done. But yeah. you know the the whole discussion becomes very takes a very different color when you when you when you have the when you understand the Islamic economic system in its mm. totality. We're going to get to this in just a bit, but before that, our next guest for today is a teacher and he's a trade unionist and socialist. Martin Powell Davis is with us on the line. Martin, good afternoon. Peace upon you and welcome to the Draft Time Show. Good afternoon. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak. Thank you very much for joining us today. As a teacher, Martin, how important is it for you to support trade unions in having your concerns heard and does it happen? I think it's vital that teachers support their trade unions, in fact all workers, because I think we all know that if you're an individual with whatever grievance or problem that you've got, it's very easy for that individual to be ignored, but when you work together, then you can be listened to, and that's obviously what trade unions try and do for employees, and uh, hopefully, yes, then they will be listened to. Martin, do you think it is possible to have a teacher's strike after missing out on school during the pandemic and 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 if so um how how do parents and students react to these kind of news well obviously we understand that you know the idea that there might be disruption further disruption to education must worry some parents mm. and we all recognize that 
very difficult time that everybody connected with education has had students, teachers, parents and families. But actually, I think that underlies some of the discontents, the feeling that it's not understood how teachers, how health workers, how school staff in general, everybody worked so hard during the pandemic to keep things together mm. in a very difficult situation. And yet, you know, we got the praise, we got the claps on the doorsteps, if you like, but actually <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't pay the bills well, at the end of the day. So I, I think behind that uh, uh, pandemic situation is actually part of the concern. But also I'd say that parents need to recognise and students that if we continue as we are without staff being properly paid, then the disruption will continue because it's it's the constant turnover of staff that I'm sure parents recognise in many schools is already a problem, is going to get worse. That experienced staff uh, uh, are harder and harder to find. Unless you've got well-motivated, well-paid, looked-after staff who feel valued, then those problems will continue. So actually, I think it's a short-term... Uh, you know, difficulty to try and address a much bigger problem. Um, Martin, the uh, the age that we live in is is being often referred to as the postmodern age. It's all mm-hmm. about education. It's all about information. Um, that's where progress lies, and that's how nations we are. Uh, we are um, an advanced economy, UK. Mm-hmm. Why do you think education as a sector? takes a back seat when it comes to funding it? Well, that's a very interesting question. And I'm afraid because I think what you just said and what certainly obviously those involved with education would say is quite how important that is for society to go forward, to progress, for the new generation to feel uh, valued and supported themselves and to take society forward. I don't think that is shared, in fact, uh, you know, if the government was serious in understanding that, then they would fund education. Uh, but that's not the case, not not at uh, uh, school age uh, or indeed at uh, further and higher education, where cuts are increasingly a problem. So I think that's one of the messages that needs to come across. This isn't just about, uh, you know, teachers and school staff saying we need to be better paid, but in order to provide that pay, then the funding needs to go first and foremost, of course, to pay any uh, wage increases. But actually, it's also about reducing class sizes. It's about Mm. reducing workload. It's about having more staff to support students. So it is about, I mean, our tagline, if you like, for our campaign is value education, value educators. And that's really what we're trying to get across as our message. And you think at the moment, uh, politicians don't get that, don't understand that value? I absolutely don't think they do because, you know, we've had 20 years where we have tried to explain to politicians that the situation mm. in school was... Is that across uh, the spectrum or is that any any particular political party uh, you're saying? 20 years means probably both Labour and, and Conservatives then? Yeah, well, I think particularly, I think, you know, with the, with the coalition that started to bring in the tuition-free increases mm. and that's where you saw the real gap in funding starting to appear. But it has been over a long period. 
Um, you know, I can't speak on behalf of any of the political parties. Sure, neither can we. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I think they all need to be uh, asked the same question. Are you going to address uh, the problems facing education? Are you serious about uh, helping young people and helping those of us in schools that try to help young people? Then you need to put the money there into education. Yeah, so where do you think we're headed with this sort of challenge? Uh, um, do you expect uh, more shortages to, to happen, teach, teacher shortages, that is? Uh, do you think more and more youngsters will not be inclined to join this sector? Well, that's already the case. I mean, the latest figures for secondary uh, teacher recruitment, for example, are beginning to drop. Mm. And at the same time, you've got the constant fallout of those who've gone, in, gone into teaching and then don't last for more than a year or so within education. So it's a, it's, it is going to be a continual problem. It's the issue of pay, and there's the, also the, the issue of workload, which is very much alongside mm. uh, the concerns of, of, of education staff. Um, so you'll have a spiral that will get worse, because, of course, the fewer staff you have in, then the more exhausted those that are left in there, and the, and the more people will be driven out. So it is quite a critical time. And, of course, the bottom line is for which, wherever you are in life at the moment, but... Uh, uh, you know, people can't afford in winter, you know, turning on your heating, mm. where your next food's going to come from. I mean, that is a real issue. I mean, obviously, I'm particularly speaking as teachers, but I'd like to put a particular word in, the, you know, that we've got some very low-paid support staff who work in schools as well who are particularly feeling the pinch. So, you know, it's not just an issue for teachers. It's obviously an issue for wide sectors uh, of working people who aren't earning you know, enough to really uh, make ends meet. Martin, I don't know whether you were listening into the show earlier where we were talking, you know, I, I mentioned that uh, really my heart actually goes out to all the teachers. I know the kind of value they, I have got school going kids and mm. um, I know the contribution that their teachers make and the long hours that they actually put in to support their learning. Um, that said, however, uh, do you think it's it's justified for for a profession as noble and as important as critical as education um and and somebody to be as as part of that sector like teachers to go on strike? Well, I'm afraid that's the question I think that needs to be thrown at the politicians as to why you know what I think should be a noble profession. But if you're not treated nobly, if mm. you're finding it that you're struggling to pay for your own bills and for mm. your children's uh, uh, and family's uh, needs, then we have no other choice. Because as I say, we can we can try the facts and figures, we can and do regularly, you know, talk to politicians about the situation schools face. But it is, in fact, I mean, the reason it's in the news really is, I mean, the rail workers, if you like, have, have been the first to to come to the fore, but because so many unions are now talking about action on pay, I think that's what's put it into the news. So unfortunately, the reality is that it's only trade union action that gets voices heard, and I think that's why so many different sectors, even barristers, uh, you know, have been talking about uh, yeah. trade union action. Correct. Um, but we haven't really seen any... Um any agreement around the, uh, especially the trade unions in the in the transport sector on the um do you think a strike in in uh, by the teachers will help will help their cause 
I think it will, because I think the important thing is that it's not just the teachers, as I say, support staff in schools too, but a whole mm. section of private and public sector workers who are all feeling the pinch. Uh, I think the Fire Brigade Union was the latest union this week to, to also <coughs> say, you know, we can't accept what we're being offered. So I think it's going to produce uh, a, a, a storm where all of those unions come together mm and support each other and say to the government, look, you know, a just society, you cannot expect people to continue uh, to do the jobs they're doing and actually see their incomes constantly falling year after year. Uh, and I think from that, there will have to be a response. Uh, what is your current uh, demand from the government in terms of pay rise? Are you asking for a, what, a 5% increase, an 8% increase? Well, we're asking, you know, as a minimum that it keeps up with inflation. Hmm. Now, obviously... So uh, that's 12%. Yeah, exactly. That, in reality, is 12%. But, you know, it's, it's uh, anything less is simply an increase, uh, uh, is, is a pay cut. I mean, the figures, the research we've done is we've shown that since 2010, then compared to retail price inflation, teachers' uh, salaries have gone down around about 20% over that time. You know, so there's a scissors that's already widening and widening between our incomes and prices, mm. and anything less than at least making sure that gap doesn't get any wider is clearly going to be unjust. So that's what we're calling for. Right. In the long run, Martin, I know that uh, when it comes to strikes, uh, it is in the public eye. People know that there's an issue that needs to be faced, but once these strikes are done, not just here for the education sector, but generally speaking, um, for you specifically, for, uh, when it comes to education, of course, what what do you think is required of the education department to help teachers and 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 to help unions to 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 solve this issue in the long run, to get more staff on board, to awaken that interest in the next generation to become educators. I think a completely different approach is needed. I mean, as well as the things that we've talked about, which mm -hmm. obviously is a fairly fundamental point, because obviously that's what can then recruit new educators, make sure that there's more staff there, that more needs are met, but also the whole approach, which has been a very threatening approach, threatening that your school is going to be turned into an academy, threatening that you're going to fail your Ofsted inspection, threatening that your league table results aren't good enough, all ways which actually haven't helped. They've demoralized people. And what I think people need to think is that they're valued, that they're working together, that education is valued, and that instead of that kind of market and pressure on people, that actually education is recognized. And I'd say also alongside that, actually a key issue, because in the end it's such a key point to the outcomes that we can get from education is more widely child poverty needs to be addressed uh, because obviously the issues that schools can address is only a small portion of, of the overall pressures that many young people and families face so there's a broader issue about equality and justice not just in school funding but across the whole of society and that's what i hope that the the, the struggles that are going to open up clearly uh, from trade unions over the next few months are, I hope, going to open a whole debate about what is the right way forward for things. Wonderful. 
Martin, we thank you very much for your time, sir. It was great to talk to you. And uh, for the future, of course, when it comes to education, when it comes to educators, as Brother Daniel mentioned, our hearts go out to you guys. Martin Powell Davis, teacher and trade unionist, with us on the line. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you very much indeed. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call if you want to have your say. We're asking you on our Instagram poll. If you go to our Instagram story, what do you or what are your thoughts on the current strikes that are happening uh, in these different sectors around the country? We're going to take a short break here, and then we'll be back after that. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Draft Time Show today with myself, Raza, and Daniel, and we'll be back after just a little bit. <laughs> You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Selections from the writings of the Promised Messiah on whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya community in Islam. I speak the truth and nothing but the truth. If souls are endowed with a sincere desire to search and hearts become thirsty after knowledge, then mankind will yearn to discover that path and that way. But how can one have access to that path and how can the veil be lifted? I assure all those who seek that it is Islam alone which gives the glad tidings of the way. The other faiths have long since put an end to the institution of revelation from God. So rest assured that it is not God who has brought revelation to a close, but it is man who, to justify his deprivation, seeks shelter in this false excuse. Fully realise that as it is not possible to see without eyes, or to hear without ears, or to speak without tongues, so also it is not possible to set your eyes on our beloved God without the aid of the Holy Quran. I was young once, now I am old, but I found none who, without having access to this pure fountainhead, the Quran, drank out of the cup of such manifest and clear guidance. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show and thank you very much for joining us. Um, we're talking about the different strikes and different sectors that are planned, that are scheduled, and what are some of the demands that people have, uh, that the unions have. Um, and why they are striking. After that, we're also going to speak a little bit about the government response because I think that's what everybody is wanting and everybody is aiming at to get their demands heard. Now, the government has tried to limit strikes taking place, of course, and they have also responded to some demands, although the satisfaction which unions have with these measures is varied. 
the role of leaders is to maintain peace in society and they should strive towards this. This is something that we find in the Holy Quran. This is something that we find in the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that those appointed amongst you or over you should be the ones who are the most capable, should be the ones that care about the the, the people that they are ruling over. There's a famous narration of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that a good leader is someone who prays for you and you pray for him. And who do we pray for, generally speaking? People that we care about. Yeah. And we know that those people care about us. So if your um, demands are being heard, if your demands are reasonable and they're being listened to at least, mm-hmm. then that's, yeah, the chances of those demands being heard are a lot higher than if you're just being shut down. Now, one way to tackle the issue of industrial actions could be to address the root issue, which is the wages. The Holy Quran in chapter 30, verse 39 states, So give the kinsman his due, and to the needy, and to the wayfarer. That is best for those who seek the favor of Allah, and it is they who will prosper. We've you know, established the fact that according to what the, the, the work load that is on um, these individuals' shoulders when it comes to education, when it comes to you know, different sectors of society, the the injustice is very visible. It's it's very, very clearly hmm. noticeable that it's not the way it should be. The amount of work that people are putting in, the amount of work that people are doing, the way people are, are, are putting that effort into their jobs, there is definitely not that kind of pay or compensation yeah. that should be there. Yeah. We had the example when Stephanie spoke about the cleaners. Yeah, exactly. Minimum wage. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, and and, and uh, not just those things, also the fact that uh, the way prices are rising, the, yeah. the way inflation is, just to keep yeah. up with, with um, uh, um, just to be able to feed your, your kids and, and, you know, be able to heat your home. Yeah. And again, for I, I keep saying this. I think I've said this before as well, but this is probably the second or third time I'm saying this. The, the question of heating or eating. Mm. It's, 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 I mean, Brother you mentioned this uh, to me one time, that there are families in, I mean, when, when we were going through the, the colder days, who slept in one room mm. because they couldn't afford to heat every single room in their house. Exactly. You, I don't know whether what you're missing more, uh, Kayum, uh, brother Kayum, or um, or, or, or the people that you <laughs> that you just referred to. So you you did bring uh, brother, I like Kayum. My so brother Kayum. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't show up, we we'll talk about you yeah, as well. Yeah. I doubt that. No, no, no. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, the fifth uh, successor to the Promised Messiah, the current Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He stated in 2008 that Allah, the Provider admonishes the believers to spend on their relatives, on the poor, and on the wayfarer in order to gain the pleasure of Allah and to prosper spiritually and materially as well. A true believer is not one who merely utters empty words from his mouth, but he is the one who has firm faith in God, who provides for all his needs, and he, out of his earnings, spends according to the will of God. Now, we've come out of this pandemic and we've realized that we all have or we all need to take responsibility to help one another, and and and, and it has worked out. But at the same time, the government has made schemes to help the most deprived, but despite these, public 
and union demands they do remain. We might not rethink the whole system and find a way to avoid future strikes or the need to for them, uh, but certainly the discussion and the 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 way to move forward and to maybe reevaluate the economic economic system, the the values that we have, the way that we move forward, that's something that people might not uh, be fully distant of, and you might need to. Uh, have a look at that and 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 have you know, maybe discussions about this. Our next guest for today is a trade unionist. He has a bachelor's in politics and a PhD candidate at the University of Leeds. We're interested in British politics and contemporary history. Our next guest for today is George Allett. He's with us on the line. George, good afternoon, Peace Ponya, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much for joining us today. Good to have you on. George, we, we've seen different periods of British history where strikes became you know, the common way of getting heard. Um, generally speaking, if you have a look at that, do you think that they are effective? Uh, definitely. So I've just been in a dispute, or at least uh, at the University of Leeds has been a dispute with my local union, the UCU, the University and Colleges Union. Mm. Uh, we've been uh, having uh, uh, discussions about stuff called the four fights, which is about pay against casualization and for equality, and also disputes over pensions. And uh, Leeds UCU and indeed UCU nationally have been on strike for the last four years uh, and recently had escalation with something called a marking and assessment boycott, uh, where uh, teaching staff would be withdrawing their labor when it comes to marking and assessments. And that put a lot of pressure on the university um, to negotiate a deal, and we achieved a deal locally. Um, and we've got promises on the four fights and all the demands that uh, Leeds UCU made. So it's been extremely effective locally. Uh, UCU have been making demands uh, nationally. And indeed, uh, we're seeing lots and lots of uh, ballots going ahead. For example, Royal Mail workers, the RMT and Heathrow workers. And you know, when we have this cost of living crisis, uh, workers have been asking nicely for a long time. They've been taking other forms of industrial reaction, uh, industrial action, uh, and they're not getting a pay rise. And I think the only way to really sort of make your voice heard right now is not just to uh, keep on making those demands to your employers, but using the power that you have to say enough is enough. And actually, we deserve a pay rise. So solidarity to all workers who are taking strike action to get an effective pay rise. George? Being the devil's advocate, how selfish do you think is the argument for strikes? I don't think it is, because when you're in that position, when you're uh, a precarious worker, so for example, uh, if I'm sick for whatever reason when I'm teaching, I'm not entitled to sick pay, I'm not entitled to, to any form of workers' rights. And if I'm ill for whatever reason, that means my classes get cancelled uh, if they can't get any cover at all. And then, for example, if there's maybe a global pandemic where many staff are taking off uh, you know, the rota uh, for whatever reason. That's going to impact a lot of people. The problem is the university can afford to pay these workers, but because of casualized contracts, they lose out on all sorts of pay. So I would say to people thinking it's selfish, put yourself in a worker's shoes. When you haven't had a pay rise for around a decade and the cost of the crisis increased prices by a huge amount, and I mean, inflation is around 10, 11% right now. And if you're offered a 2% pay rise, that is an effective pay cut. 
beyond the last decade where people haven't seen a pay rise anyway. So I would say put yourself in the workers' shoes and stand with them because the stronger the strikes, the more likely they are to succeed and the more likely we are to see a redistribution of wealth to workers. Right. So so the argument is about redistribution of wealth. Um, mm. if, if you look at the number of unions which... Uh, are talking about striking or have gone on strike. So whether that's the NHS, whether that's the barristers, whether that's the, the rail workers or British Airways workers or or, or what have you. Um, do you think this, we're, we're heading headed towards a, a, a disruption to the entire system or, or even a reset to the entire system? I really think um, something is changing. Something is happening right now that we've not seen for a very, very long time. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you mentioned, barristers are going on strike right mm-hmm. now. Uh, education unions, which haven't balloted the strike action for, for many, many years, are now balloting. We've just had the Royal Mail workers uh, demand, uh, you know, just vote yes for strike action by 97%. My own, my own union are having a national ballot in the next few months, which could mean all universities across the country would be impacted by that strike action. Uh, there is something happening right now, and I really do think the mishandling of the cost of living crisis by the government and the refusal for these employers who are making record profits to give their workers a pay rise, without whom, by the way, these workers, um, you know, if the workers were not there, these mm. companies would not be making this amount of money. So National Rail making £500 million but not offering their staff a fair pay rise, I think is wrong. And I think a lot of people are on their side, you know. When we're seeing all these companies making massive profits but workers are not getting a pay rise or, you know, when there is a cost of living crisis, I think there is a turning point and uh, we should wait and see what happens. But, uh, you know, I really do hope that... Uh, people do get a pay rise and people can make it through this cost of living crisis because it is very difficult for a lot of people right now. We, we were, uh, we, sorry, we were, sure. we were just talking to um, uh, to somebody mm. in the education sector mm. and uh, he mentioned that it's uh, the politicians just don't get the importance of the education sector in, in general. As mm. somebody who's, um, who's a student of uh, British politics and interested in that area, mm. do you think the politics of this country is failing? Oh, that's a really great question. I, I think it is. I think it's been failing for a very long time. You know, we've had the Conservative government in for 12 years. They've had 12 years to do whatever they want with the country. And all we've seen is rising poverty, rising homelessness, tuition fees go from £3,000 to £9,000. Uh, we've seen the crumbling education sector. Uh, we've seen failures to the climate emergency, rising racism, uh, indeed, um, you know, it, it's been a deeply problematic country for a very long time from the top of government. The problem is, is that Keir Starmer is not really offering a clear solution either. So I think a lot of people are very angry with the political class right now. Keir Starmer is not standing with the trade unions. The Conservatives are throwing trade unions under the bus and indeed introduced horrific anti-union legislation, long as well as, well as that awful legislation over the last 12 years, racist legislation and legislation that has made the rich richer and the poor poorer. It is a very difficult time to be involved in politics right now. So actually, workers joining together, fighting in their unions and making key demands to actually change their lives when the political system is not offering that, I think is quite good for, uh, you know, quite good for 
good for people, good for millions of people. Because if you join your union, you get that meaningful change that the political class is just not offering right now. Um, George, I want to ask you because uh, from from historical point of view, um, what what other ways do we find in history? Do we find any other ways in history of of public demands being met without? causing disruption to public life that maybe we can implement now as well or is, is that something that that's uh, you know in the past the thing the great the great sort of victory throughout history uh to change the way society works has rarely been uh has rarely happened through asking nicely it has come from civil disobedience it has come from direct action so for example the right for women to vote uh, and the, the suffragettes taking direct action there uh, when we've seen, uh, like we're saying, strikes working historically in the redistribution of wealth there. So, for example, telecom workers in the, the 1980s won a huge pay rise um, through strike action. Uh, and indeed, we can talk about all sort of, sort of historical forms of civil disobedience really changing society. Um, but it works. And the problem is, and I think people are starting to realise this, asking the establishment nicely for tinkering around the edges of society, if they're not even going to offer that, even if they're not going to offer mild changes, people are going to look for alternatives. And if you're going to get involved in the trade union and you're going to get, um, you're going to be making demands that are actually going to meaningfully change your life and you will see other workers getting those meaningful changes, that's going to inspire a lot of people. And we take influence from you know, for example, it was the Toll Puddle Martyrs Festival this week in the southwest of England, where people commemorating trade unionists in the southwest. We have loads of things like Dura Miners Gala, um, which commemorates trade unionists as well. When you look at these key victories in history, it has come from the working class fighting for their rights and making uh, direct action and delivering that meaningful change. So, you know, I would say to anyone who wants to see meaningful change, get involved in the union take direct action and make your voice heard. Are there any countries who do a better job at this than, than we do? Oh, the problem is we live in a global capitalist hegemony where we mm. have many countries that are, you know, there's very few examples of uh, common ownership of the means of production where the workers actually own the production and the money goes back to the workers rather than sort of, uh, uh, you know, increasing the profits of shareholders. But we have cooperatives in this country uh, and strong unionisation in some sectors. So the RMT, for example, uh, although there are many workers um, on minimum wage and who are being treated not so great, there are also many workers in the RMT who have uh, been in their job for a very, very long time uh, and have got good working conditions, good working hours uh, and, a, and a good fair pay because they've been involved in unions right here, right now. So we don't necessarily have to look... Um, Elsewhere, I mean, we can look elsewhere, and there have been huge uh, unionization victories. For example, in the USA right now, we're seeing Starbucks workers and Amazon workers starting to organize in unions there. And they are seeing slow changes there. But even if we just look in our own country right now, we are seeing some changes. And those victories, not just here, but abroad as well, should inspire a lot of people. George. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. George Allard with us on the line. Thank you so much, Thank sir. you very much. I really appreciate that. Great to have you. 0208-687-7878. Imam Reza, so, you know, we've talked to a, a number of guests and we've talked about, uh, we've talked uh, and we've heard various uh, perspectives on the situation. 
I guess we, we're also coming towards the end of the show. So yeah. let, let's maybe talk about the the solutions here. And we've we've been talking about some of the solutions here as well. So, you know, prices are rising. Mm. Politicians, as we heard, are failing their constituents. Billionaires are increasing. And yet the average worker is struggling to survive. What is the solution to this? Is is there any solution to this? Does Islam provide any solution to to these problems? Yes. Yeah, so one one of the issues that we've uh, spoken about, one of the key things I think in in all of this was the system of zakat. Now I remember reading that the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and also I think the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, they they've spoken about. Um, you know the different political systems they've t- spoken about the different economic systems there's no fixed system that we can apply yeah mm. so i mean it's not about uh, wanting communism or socialism or whatever ism that th- there is mm. you have to look at the time you have to look at the society you have to look at the people and this fixation on one specific issue or one specific system that it has to be capitalism anything apart from that is wrong and is despotic or dictatorship or whatever it is. I think we need to get away from that. When we spoke with uh, who was it, Sophie or um, uh, Stephanie, I think the disc- to have a discussion about what can be applied and what needs to change, it is becoming more evident. Hmm. When His Holiness was warning about revolution in America, nobody believed him. Hmm. Many people were laughing, hmm. wasn't it? But then when things were getting out of control, when people did storm the capital, didn't, wasn't that the phrase that was used? Mm. When he was warning about the Third World War, nobody listened to him. Mm. No world leader, no, no economist, nobody was listening to him. But isn't that what newspapers and media outlets are using now? Mm. Like we're on the brink of such and such. So when he's talking about, and when he has been talking about, um, justice and fairness and equal distribution of means and mm. not exploiting other countries, focusing on, on, on your um, issues here at home. Nobody believed him at that time either because everything was fine. Everything was good. We, we're, we were not going through inflation. We were not going through a recession. But that's the same things that are going to be repeating themselves over and over again. To bring clarity to this discussion, Imam Razai, does Islam allow for free enterprise? Yes, it it, it surely does, right? But like I mean, uh, in terms of free, in terms of the right to own. Uh, no, look, we, nobody. Maybe it seemed like we're we're having a go at these billionaires. It's not forbidden. There's nothing wrong with being rich, with having money. As long as you're giving back. As long as yeah. you realize your responsibility. Look, mm. the Holy Quran over and over states, and they spend out of that which we have provided for them. Mm. Right? We gave it to you. We, meaning God Almighty, gave it to you in the first place. God never said, the Holy Prophet never said, Islam mm. never said that you should not be rich. Right. It never said that you cannot have money or you cannot show. Like, I mean, if God has blessed you, you should, you, you should be able to. To, to, to show to spend that, it. to yeah. spend it, yeah. I mean, to, to live live by it. What it does say is that you, if you have been blessed by God Almighty, mm. you have been given a certain responsibility, yeah. right? You have been given a, a, a task that, look, if God has blessed you, and we have these verses uh, in the Holy Quran, different different parts, 
that it, it's your responsibility to give back to make the society a better place and again s- something that we've heard in the course of these discussions i think george mentioned this as well that if it wasn't for the workers you wouldn't have 500 million pound profits yeah. for the rail company absolutely yeah, yeah so where does it come from who deserves it the most right when it comes to interest for example why interest is forbidden i i don't think we have to go through a long lecture if you go back to history and you know the second world war some of the things leading up to that wasn't that one of the factors that led up to the second world war that you had specific uh, you had a certain uh, um, uh, groups within society who had the money again nothing wrong with having that money mm. but if you're keeping it and mm. if you're showing it off and you're 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 you know wielding it in front not of other people back. not yeah, giving back and exactly. saying ah, I have yeah, all of it, it and you don't have if nothing if your cleaners are are in pain exactly. and, and and you are uh, so living a luxurious life people will feel right. that right. up to what point the question is up to what point even in a civilized society will people stay civilized right. if they see that my rights are not being given to me right so before that opportunity comes or before that time comes islam says you need to put a stop to this hmm. from even happening right so would it be then fair to say that the solution that the islamic um, economic system presents to the current problem is that while allowing for free enterprise while uh, saying that there is nothing wrong with being rich it's really about you playing uh, it's really about justice and equity and and equitable redistribution of that wealth and giving back and giving a part of your wealth back and and investing that back into the society yes and i think when we talk about governments and how what what their roles and what their responsibilities isn't that one of their responsibilities and the roles of the government hmm. to making sure that the the bare minimum of 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 what they need to provide what they need to do hmm. that, that is fulfilled you don't have i mean the the rising numbers in food banks the rising number of people lining up for you know when there's homeless feeding i've seen it you've seen it hmm. and and it's not just in in the poor parts of the of the country anymore it's right here in the heart of london where you have in central london cu- people queuing up like there's huge lines now which i have never seen before so that that clearly right. tells you something is not right exactly. and if you look at the past 12 13 14 years again it's not just about one party it's not just about one side of the government it's the overall responsibility that we talk about it doesn't matter which political party you are affiliated with if your goal is not to help the society if your goal is not to serve the people that have elected you then clearly something is 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 is, is wrong what one more question we only got four, four minutes to go um but it's an important one so we've talked about zakat which is about giving at least 2.5% mm. of your wealth back unused wealth and spent wealth every year um do you want to briefly very briefly talk about the system of wasiyat or will within the ahmedia muslim community and what what that is and what role that can play in in redistribution of wealth so i think zakat again and and wasiyat comes into this as well it's about the the underlying concept is about purification right. right it's it's about purifying your wealth we've said that there's a certain share that you owe to god almighty there's a shir- certain share that you owe to you know the society that you live in when it comes to wasiya the promised messiah the founder of the amdiam some community th- he started that on the same principles 
in the sense that you have an option between one third and one tenth of your income and then of course your uh, wealth. your wealth basically mm-hmm. that you present to the community and he was he he started and he introduced the system based on divine guidance right, right? that it's uh, to to detach yourself from the love of this world mm-hmm. uh, and 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 everything that is associated with that you basically give your one third up to one one third and up to one tenth of your entire wealth of your entire earning if you're alive every month um or or you know whatever the calculation income is and wealth, income yeah. and wealth for the propagation of islam for the sake of the community for whatever the need is of at that time right and it has worked since uh, the time of the promised messiah peace and blessings of allah uh, peace peace be upon him and it's it's an ongoing process and again for someone who has done it himself for for mm. someone you know i've i've decided to go ahead with this i think some 10 12 years ago it's the purification aspect mm. and the 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 satisfaction the satisfaction i think mm. that's the word that you're letting go of of all of that that mm. you know the the sorrows and and the the, the negatives and and you know there's just that tension basically mm. that you have mm. that is something that i have seen personally and i think it's not just me it's 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 everyone who's done this um has pretty much told me the same thing absolutely with that we would like to say thank you very much to all of uh, our listeners out there who were with us th- throughout the program um we want to thank Fazia Haq who has uh, researched and produced today's uh, program and uh, all of our guests who found the time to join us today now we also would like to remind you that uh, tomorrow morning sml is going to be with you at 10 a.m. and also on w- on sunday weekend world is going to join you at 10 a.m. now in a couple of days time now actually the first week of august we are going to have the annual convention of the ahmadiyya muslim community here in the uk the jalsa salana something which is the highlight of uh, the year for the community and voice of islam is going to present a special broadcast from live on site in the sari countryside so do not miss any of that thank you very much for listening in have a great weekend have a great evening ahead and we'll be back with you on monday inshallah assalamu alaikum <laughs>